Amanda, remember that time a lesbian radicalized the American Library Association? that time an historical podcast i'm your host amanda webb and i'm your host anna webb and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history and we're back hello so sorry we missed a week not a problem it's pride month it's pride month and now we get to extend pride a little bit yeah um so before before we get into the pride month talk do you just want to do drink update we'll just get it going sure great okay I am drinking a new Beveragino from Trader Joe's. It is a sparkling pineapple juice beverage. Ooh. It's ah. so good. You know I love pineapple juice. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's delicious. I'm drinking water. (laughs) (laughs) Thought I'd make it a little more exciting this time. (laughs) The anticipation. Mm -hmm. The drama. I love it. Okay, so Pride Month. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. I wanted to talk about someone who is maybe a little less well known to like the mainstream mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the movement as a whole. Right. Obviously, lesser known to me doesn't mean lesser known to everyone, but sure. um, I do think there's a little bit less out there about this person than um, some other people. So today. We are going to talk about Barbara Giddings. Great. I know nothing about this person. So this is always fun for me when it's like a completely fresh topic. Okay, then do you want to just get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. So Barbara Giddings is born on July 31st in 1932 in Vienna, Austria. Her parents are Elizabeth and John Sterrett Giddings. And her father is a U.S. diplomat. So that's why they're in... Austria at the time okay. she was born. Okay. And they they move around a, a little bit and she and her siblings actually attend Catholic schools in Montreal for most hmm. of their, you know, childhood. Um and she's very deep into Catholicism. <laughs> um to the point where during her childhood she actually considered becoming a nun. Huh. But that did not happen. Right. <laughs> um, so there's not a ton about you know, like her early years. Um, but the family does return to the U.S. around the time that World War II breaks out. And they settle in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And she says that the first time she heard the term homosexual was when she was actually rejected for membership to the National Honor Society at the school she was attending. Oh, oh my gosh. Because the teacher who was, like, you know, in charge of deciding who got admitted, I guess, mm-hmm. um, kind of pulled her aside and told her that she had reservations about her character because she believed that Barbara had, like, quote-unquote, homosexual inclinations. So Barbara had, like, never Ugh. even considered this about herself. <laughs> and this teacher was, like, terrible nose. I think that you're gay. <laughs> And, and therefore, you cannot be in the National Honor Society. Join our academic group because mm-hmm. that m- makes a difference. 
I hate to break it to you, and I know you've never considered this before, but I do <laughs> feel that you are a lesbian. I, I Government assigned lesbian. <laughs> Here's your official membership card to that club. You can't join this other one. But yeah. that one, you are you actually I am, are just I am assigning abducted. you lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> you almost had a full spig take. I did. I was taking a drink when you said that. That was rough. <laughs> okay, so that's the drama, first of all. Okay. So, Barbara actually attends Northwestern University. She majors in drama. Um, she loves music. She's really interested in Baroque and Renaissance music. Um, and she sings in lots of choral groups over her life. Eventually, she, like, joins the Philadelphia Chamber Chorus, and she spends over 50 years in that group. So, oh, wow. That's just, like, an interesting fact about her. Huh. So, while she's at school at Northwestern, she develops a really close friendship with another female student. It's not a relationship. They're just good friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But this sparks a lot of rumors about their sexuality, which is like, okay, you know, listen. (laughs) Do you want want us to be gal pals or not? Yes, yes. (laughs) We want girls to be friends with each other and not date each other. But, uh uh-oh, if you're too close of friends with a person, then you're definitely dating like pick a lane i know it's bizarre but all these rumors lead barbara to start examining her own sexual orientation which she hadn't thought too seriously about up to this point well she Um, was assigned lesbian in high school so i I don't know what to tell you should have known um she actually sees a psychiatrist at one point and we're gonna talk a lot about psychiatry and um, you know, the attitude toward uh, homosexual relationships mm-hmm. in psychiatry. We're going to talk a lot about that in this I mean, episode. it was listed as a mental illness for a well, long yeah. time. Well, yeah, and we'll get to that. Yeah. We will absolutely be getting to that. So she sees a psychiatrist who basically confirms to her, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you like girls. Psychiatrist um, is assigned to lesbian. Yeah, and then he says that he can cure her, because, you know, Ew. again, like, that was a big part of the attitude then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, she doesn't have enough money to keep seeing this psychiatrist regularly. Thank God. And her dad, like, won't give her the money, because, in his words, there's nothing a psychologist can solve that a priest can't. So, he, like, wants her to, you know... Anyway. Cool, 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 cool. So that's the attitude, right? Cool, 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 cool. Um, But because she's not really seeing the psychiatrist anymore, she actually starts researching on her own. She wants to find out, like, what is all of this all about? What does it really mean to be homosexual? So she does a ton of reading. And, of course, you know, it's that time where basically all she can find is stuff that is pretty disparaging. Mm-hmm. And also, almost all of it is about homosexual men. There's yeah. like nothing about women, right? Yes. So she really dives deep into this research, so much so that she spends all of her time doing this instead of going to classes and she fails out of college. Wow. So books play a very important role in Barbara's life. Like, all she Already, wants to do yeah. is find books that describe, you know, Her what it is she's experiencing. Yeah. Exactly. And 
she also said that like all the stuff she was reading she said something along the lines of you know none of it said anything about love or mm-hmm. <laughs> happiness and and she said i thought okay so this just doesn't apply to me because that's not my experience mm-hmm. <laughs> right? which i found like an interesting way of putting it yeah so she fails out of college at age 17 and she returns home basically like disgraced because she failed out of college and she can't tell anybody why because she's still, you know, hiding her, hiding who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she keeps doing research. She finds a lot of novels like Nightwood, The Well of Loneliness and Extraordinary Women um, her father actually discovers the book The Well of Loneliness in a pile in, in her bedroom. And he was he was so appalled by this that he tells her to throw it away. But he doesn't say this to her. He puts it in a letter because he just can't bring himself to say it to her face. Lord. <laughs> what? A Horrendous. Thankfully, we don't have to talk about him too much more. But yikes. Yikes. Okay, so after she's failed out of college, she's home again, and she starts taking a night course in quote-unquote abnormal psychology because she wants to learn more about homosexuality. And in that time, if you wanted to learn about it, you studied psychology. Right? Yeah, that was that was the only, like, quote-unquote scholarly exactly. academic yes. information. It was either religious or academic, and the only academic information about queerness was through the lens of psychology because it was viewed as a mental illness exactly Mm -hmm. um she actually meets a woman in this class that she starts a relationship with i don't know that much about the relationship but it was like her first relationship with a woman i don't Mm -hmm. think it lasted too long Mm -hmm. um barbara leaves home at the age of 18 and she moves to philadelphia um while she's living in philly she uh, hitchhikes to New York City on the weekends to go to gay bars, since she didn't really know of any in, in Philly at the time. And she would dress as a man. Sure. Because, so in this 1975 interview, I'm just going to read her a little quote here. She says, I wore drag because I thought that was a way to show I was gay. It's changed now, but in the early 50s, there were basically two types of women in the gay bars. Mm -hmm. The so-called butch ones in short hair and plain masculine attire, and the so-called femme ones in dresses and high heels and makeup. I knew high heels and makeup weren't my personal style, so I thought, I must be the other kind. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yes, it's true. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so in 1956, Barbara goes to California because she is going to visit the office of the newly founded One Inc., which is one of the first gay rights organizations in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And while she's there, she meets Phyllis Lyon. I think her name is pronounced Lyon, not Leon. I'm not sure. And Del Martin, who are a lesbian couple who had co-founded the Daughters of Belitis. And I think that's how you say it. Yeah, we've Um, talked about that before. We have, but I always have trouble remembering the right pronunciation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to refer to it more as the D-O-B throughout just because that's faster. It's either Belitis or Belitis. It's one or the other. Anyway, so she meets them in... Um, they had founded this org in San Francisco, so she joins the group, um, and then in 1958, she is asked to start a new chapter in New York. Ah, so, okay. 
she opens up the New York chapter. Um, she serves as their first president for about three years. Um, and we're going to talk more about, you know, how she comes to no longer be kind of in leadership, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and she, so she serves from 1958 to 1961, which is the year she meets Kay Tobin or Kay Lahousen, Lahousen. Um, she's known as both, but this is her long-term partner that she ends up being with for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, they actually meet at a picnic in Rhode Island and they stay together for like 46 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so while she's president of the DOB, their members averaged between like 10 to 40 people per meeting. So it's kind of slower at first, which is understandable. Um, they'd meet twice a month and they would invite like doctors and psychiatrists and ministers and attorneys to come and speak for their group, even if the messages were not, you know, pro them basically Mm -hmm. but the idea was just like they were just happy to have anybody acknowledging their group Mm -hmm. so a lot of this early activism is like first of all there's not that much else out there because not as many people are speaking out to say like actually all that stuff (laughs) wrong (laughs) um but they want their groups to be legitimized and acknowledged so they just invite anybody to speak for them, even if it's like, I don't know about that. Well, and even if they disagree, at least, that, like, I think a lot of it was also that the very, very, very early days of the movements for legitimizing queer people in right. general um, was through the lens of gay men. Um, yeah. And so a lot of lesbian organizations were just looking to be at all recognized. Exactly. Even if it was by someone saying, lesbians are terrible. They're like, well, at least you know we exist. So, (laughs) And also, you'll find that in the early days of the DOB, there was this sort of, like, acceptance of the psychology uh, angle for a long Mm -hmm. time. Not to say that those people thought that they were wrong or mentally ill, but, you know, there was this, like, this is how we study, like you said, queerness. Mm -hmm. So you know, this is what is considered legitimate right now. So that's what we're going to have on our, you know, our docket, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, During the time that she is president of the DOB, uh, Barbara also works in a lot of clerical positions. She she spends about 10 years as a mimeograph operator for an architectural firm. Hmm. Um, And this is important because... um, Okay, so at this time, the New York chapter of the DOB starts distributing a newsletter. It only goes out to about 150 people, but Barbara would work on this while she was, like, required to work overtime at her job. Mm. Um, so in 1959, she <laughs> she's using the company's envelopes to <laughs> mail out the newsletter. Uh-huh. Um, and she's covering up the firm's name, like, with a sticker. Uh, sure. But somebody figures it out and they write to the firm to say, like, hey, uh, they're distributing this <laughs> newsletter. How do you feel about that? Um, but surprisingly, Barbara is not fired over this because thank oh, wow. God her her boss is a woman who basically okay. is like, I'm familiar with the topic. I get it. Uh, I'm not going to fire you, but maybe just don't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, please stop. Thank you so right. much. <laughs> right. 
Okay, so from 1963 to 1966, Barbara edits the DOB's magazine called The Ladder. Um, so, like we were kind of talking about before, a lot of the articles published in the magazine do focus on homosexuality as an illness. Mm-hmm. Again, mostly because it was just the general attitude of the time. Like, people didn't really know otherwise. And if you're being told over and over again, like, you have an illness, like, and you have no alternative point of view to tell you no, you don't, you might believe that of yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes sense. But, okay, here's what happens. So in 1963, the newly formed East Coast homophile organizations have a convention. And at this convention, the gay activist Frank Kamney speaks. And he presents the point that... This says, quote, it is useless to try to find cures and causes for homosexuality since there is no valid evidence that it is an illness. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the first times that Barbara hears like a true argument for this. And it totally changes her way of thinking. Well, because it's so funny because it was in it was considered a mental illness for years and years and years and years with just no he's he's right. No evidence. It's like. Yeah. You know, other things we think well, of as illnesses, it's because we measure, like, chemicals yes in the brain. Yes and no. At, the, at like, the time, that was yeah. not true, though. Anything that they didn't understand was considered an That's illness. That's true. That's true. So, you know, to be mm-hmm. fair. I mean, not fair, but truthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so this totally changes her point of view. So, guess what? She's the editor of the magazine. That means she can make some changes. So she starts shifting the attitude of the magazine, the latter. She includes um, under the title, It she changes it to say a lesbian review. <laughs> so she's stating outright like this is by lesbians for lesbians. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts replacing the drawings on the covers with photos of actual lesbians. Um, and her partner, Kay, is actually a photographer, so Kay takes a lot of these photos. Mm, Okay, cool. Um, so, and the magazine starts to shift to include more, like, controversial pieces and, like, debates about the topic. Um, so it really changes the attitude, um, at least in New York. (laughs) Sure. Okay, so in 1965, Barbara marches in the first gay picket lines at the White House, the U.S. State Department, and at Independence Hall in Philadelphia um, to protest the federal government's policy on discrimination of homosexuals. I was going to talk more about the Lavender Scare, um, Mm -hmm. but it was a little... I didn't really have time to, like, put it all together, because there's a lot of information there. But um, this was a time when they were they were concerned about communists in the federal government. And then they started to become concerned about homosexuals in the federal government. Well, they were concerned so, about communists in the federal government. And then when they started not finding very much evidence of that, yeah. they used um, gay people as yes, a, scapegoat a scapegoat and started yeah. doing that instead. Yeah. So she also is you at, didn't, you didn't read what her sign said. It's very good. I'm not there yet. Okay. Relax. Sorry. She's at all of these protests and she, Holds a sign that says sexual preference is irrelevant to federal employment, which is like, yeah, duh. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Duh. Mm -hmm. 
So from 1965 to 1969, which is when we um, went to the moon. Oh, yes, of course. She and Frank Kameny lead the annual reminder, um, which is a picketing event at Independence Hall in Philly on July 4th. And they do this until the Stonewall riots take place in June of 1969. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the annual Pride Parade uh, sort of takes that event's place. Um, So it's like... Pride before Pride, yeah. basically. Except it was like a literal, you know, they were marching rather mm-hmm. than rather than uh, so, the parade. Yeah. So, okay, just to jump back a little bit, in 1966, Barbara is actually ousted as the editor of The Ladder because it becomes very clear that her beliefs are starting to differ from the DOBs. Because like right. I said, the DOB is still very focused on this, you know psychology aspect of it all yeah psychology aspect so she gets ousted from the the magazine Mm -hmm. okay so in november of 1967 barbara and kameny worked together as co-counsels in hearings held by the department of defense to discredit an expert witness who testified that homosexuals could be converted to heterosexuality um and to call into question the policy held by the Department of Defense that homosexual employees could be fired for being named as homosexuals. Right. So so they attend and speak at all of these hearings um, to discredit this particular witness who's saying, yeah, if that person is oust- outed, uh, they can be fired. And mm-hmm. they're like, um, no. So during these hearings... <laughs> they dress very conservatively, but they wear buttons that say gay is good and pray for sodomy, which makes me laugh. And that is they so would, good. They would come in and they would shake every person's hand, she said, to make sure that they all read our buttons. Excellent. They said. Excellent. Which I loved. Um, Barbara also makes lots and lots of appearances as a speaker during the 60s. Um, she's at this point making it her activist to convince people that, um, homosexuality is not an illness. In 1970, Barbara joins the gay group that had formed within the American Library Association. This is the first gay caucus within a professional organization. That is awesome. Which I think is so cool. Um, she becomes the coordinator of the group in 1971, and she pushes the ALA to be much more inclusive for visibility for gay and lesbian people, like, in their profession. Right. And also in, um, you know, the materials that they offered. hmm So, <laughs> at the National Convention of the ALA in Dallas in 1971, she decides to open a kissing booth. At the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Hug a Homosexual. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a women-only side and a men-only side. <laughs> no one attends. No one takes advantage of it. So what she does is she and um, an author um, named Alma Routsong... Um, kiss in front of the rolling tv cameras that are there covering the event um work because she's like nobody else is gonna do it (laughs) i guess we will work 
So she went for it. Love that for her. Yeah. Um, okay, so in 1970, uh, she appears on the Phil Donahue show, and uh, in 1971, she goes on PBS, uh, on the David Susskind show, um, along with six other lesbians, um, and they're among the first open lesbians to appear on TV in the U.S., um, and they basically hold a debate to talk about the stereotypes um, of queer people. Mm-hmm. Okay, I said we were going to get back to the um, psychology aspects of this. So right. here's where we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So in 1972, along with Kameny, uh Barbara organizes a panel with the American Psychiatric Association. It's called Psychiatry, Friend or Foe to Homosexuals, a Dialogue. Mm. And the panel is intended to have psychiatrists up there with them to discuss homosexuality. Now, Kay, Barbara's partner, goes, hold on a second. All of these psychiatrists are straight men. Uh-huh. She says, she says, this isn't right. Here you have two psychiatrists pitted against two gays. And what you really need is someone who is both. It's true. So, so they put out an ask. Uh, most people say no, but one finally says yes. Um, he agrees to appear um, in heavy disguise and with a voice disorienting microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls himself Dr. H. Anonymous. Um, we later find out that he is John E. Fryer. Um, he discusses how he's basically forced to be closeted while he practices psychiatry. That's and good. During- That's a huge, like... Oh, it's perspective to to add to the conversation, a necessary one. And during the panel, she also, Barbara also reads out, she doesn't say anybody's name, but she reads the letters from all the people who declined. Yeah. Talking about why they couldn't couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So after this, in 1973, homosexuality is removed from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual or the DSM. Um, so it's no longer considered a mental disorder in the profession. She was, like, invited to be there when this happened. Awesome. Um, she celebrates by taking a photo with the Philly newspaper that's with the headline, 20 million homosexuals gain instant care. (laughs) No, instant cure. (laughs) Oh, cure. I'm so sorry. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) suddenly i find that hilarious none of us are mentally ill anymore (laughs) yeah so she was very instrumental in getting that removed from Mm -hmm. the dsm that's amazing yeah um she spends like 16 years working with libraries and campaigning to get more positive gay and lesbian themed materials and to eliminate uh censorship and job discrimination um, she writes a book called Gays in Library Land, the Gay and Lesbian Task Force of the American Library Association, the first t- 16 years. It's like a brief history of the group. Oh my gosh, I need to read that. <laughs> I know, right? Um, in... 1973, she helps to create the National Gay Task Force, which is later called the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force. And she serves on that board, like, throughout the 80s. 
Um, also in 1973, she inspires um, nurses to form the Gay Nurses Alliance. Mm-hmm. In 1999, she's honored for her contributions to the LGBT cause at the 7th Annual Pride Fest America in Philly. Um, The organization describes her as, quote, the Rosa Parks of the gay and lesbian civil rights movement. That is not an an unaccurate comparison. I I totally see where that that comes from. Yeah. Um. She has an award named after her from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Um, And in 2001, she, you know, receives the inaugural award Mm -hmm. for her activism. Um, Also in 2001, the Free Library of Philadelphia announces that it has a Barbara Giddings collection of books dedicated to gay and lesbian issues. Wow. There are more than 2,000 items in this collection. And it's the second largest gay and lesbian collection of books in the U.S., um, second only to the San Francisco Public Library. Wow. Um, She is given a lifetime honorary membership to the American Library Association in 2003. Um, There's just a lot of, like, boom, boom, boom. Uh Um, In 2006, she and Frank Kameny both received the first John E. Fryer MD Award from the American Psychiatric Association. Um, because of their impact on the mental health of gays and lesbians. I love that that's named after that guy. I know. It's awesome, right? So on February 18th of 2007, Barbara dies at the age of 74 in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. She had a very long battle with breast cancer. Mm. Um, She's interred in the historic Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C. Wow. Um, in 2020, Time Magazine did a 100 Women of the Year project where they, like, highlighted one woman uh, for each year between 1920 and 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is named Woman of the Year of 1964. Mm. Um, and her partner, Kay, went on to live for a long time. She died in 2021 at the age of 91. Wow. So they were together until Barbara's death. And mm-hmm. she... She lived a long time. Wow. So that was a lot of just like one thing after the other there toward the end. But she just had so many accomplishments. And I didn't even include all of them here. Like there are a lot of other honors and stuff. So what a fascinating um, woman. Yeah, she was really interesting. And I I found it interesting that like, um, like to see her shift from this sort of common belief of the time to actually know, you know what? (laughs) That's wrong. And then she just kind of dives in head first, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, Well, especially because that common belief of the time is the thing that made it so difficult for her to understand and accept herself. Totally. And she, you know, there was just no information out there. And I also loved that her reaction to kind of discovering this thing about herself was, well, I just got to learn all I can about it. Mm -hmm. I just have to learn everything about it. So it wasn't so much about you know, struggling to accept this thing within her, which you hear a lot of the time, which is obviously totally valid and a completely normal experience. But that seemed to not really be her experience. Her experience was really like, all right, this is a thing about me now, and I need to know everything about it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I think is such a, like, interesting and great way of thinking about it, especially for the time in which she was learning this thing about herself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I find her really interesting and 
I liked a, a lot of the like quotes I read from her. She was very smart and um, I loved that a big part of her mission was literature. Uh-huh. I just find that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. What a cool person. Barbara ruled. Man. Mm-hmm. She ruled. So I know that was a little bit of a shorter one, but that's just because there was like not as much about, you know, her early life out there. Mm-hmm. So if anybody else has information on her, please send it our way. We'd love to read about it. But yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's Barbara. Cool. Woohoo. First episode of Pride. Uh huh. Like we said earlier, our second episode of Pride will come out in July because we got set off here with this month. With our schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't want to cram to, you know, like our schedule got a little, it was going to be too tight. Uh-huh. Um, and we wanted to make sure we still had time to like properly research and everything. So we're just going to do our second one in July and who cares? Pride is forever. Pride is whenever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Pride is forever. So Excellent. We'll, <laughs> we'll do another one. I was really excited to talk about um, somebody from the lesbian community today because I feel like we haven't done quite as much. I mean, some of our other historical figures, <laughs> we've been like, and she was definitely a lesbian. But in terms of our Pride episodes, we yeah. haven't talked as much about that. So I really wanted to um, highlight specifically a lesbian activist because mm-hmm. I thought that was like important absolutely um so yeah i liked reading about her she was really interesting awesome so do you know what you're gonna do for yours oh not no? not in the slightest <laughs> not in the slightest couldn't tell you great well you guys hey by the way this episode is coming out on west virginia day <gasps> is it which i, I hadn't realize. even noticed I, I wasn't even thinking about it. And then I was like, ah, oh, I should have picked a West Virginian, but it was too late. I had already done the research. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So, hey, if you're listening on the day this comes out, happy birthday, West Virginia. Um, If you'd like to support both a pride organization and West Virginia organization, may I recommend Fairness West Virginia? It's a wonderful group. They do excellent work here in the Mountain State. <laughs> yes. Fairness West Virginia. And I'll also highlight... um. Less on the LGBTQ side, although they do participate in that activism. But Black by God Virginia is a Mm -hmm. great organization, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) I didn't mean to turn it into a West Virginia thing. But I just, like, I had the realization earlier today. And I was like, oh, man. Missed opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Not like we never talk about West Virginia or West Virginians. Ever on this podcast. Us? West Virginia? Never. Who? Who? Us? No. All right, you guys. Well, that was our first episode of Pride uh, 2022. So we'll have another one for you next time around. And also, hey, we're approaching our 100th episode. We sure are. I I make little folders for every 10 episodes. And I just had to make the one that said 91 to 100. So like we are fast approaching. Yeah. So we're excited about that. We don't really know exactly what it's going to be yet. Uh, So who knows? But it's getting close. I can't believe it. I know. my, um, like, memories on my social media pages the other day were pictures of this trip Amanda and I took to the mountains uh, about four years ago. And I was like, that is the trip where we conceived yeah. this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. So, yeah, it just feels very, like, oh, man, I can't believe it. But, I know. So thank you all for listening. Um, Man, we didn't think we'd do this many episodes. It's just, no. Just for fun. But yeah. so thank you all for listening. Um. 
if you guys have topic suggestions for future episodes, hey, maybe for our 100th episode, who knows, um, you can email them to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at rttpod. Um, and we would love it if you would leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Well, sorry for the little break there, you guys, Um, but we are back on track now, and until next time, remember that time.